You're listening to the City Lights Church Podcast with Pastor Jesse Miller. It's good, right? Some of you guys who aren't geeks like me are like, what? Not really. Um, I'm a huge geek. And Star Wars is like my favorite movie of all time, right? Uh, it's up there. That and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, they're, they're pretty high up on that list. But um, don't watch that movie for like spiritual insight. You won't, you won't find it there. But, uh, so I was thinking about today's message, we're walking through our new series on foundations, um, really talking about what do we really believe and why do we believe it uh, as Christians. These are things that build a foundation in our lives so that when storms come, we have a solid foundation and we don't topple over. And so this morning I was looking at today's topic and this clip popped into my head. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only, only hope, right? Um... How many of you guys have never seen Star Wars? Like, never. I want to see the ones who have never seen Star Wars. There's an altar call. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Until last January, until last January, my wife had never seen Star Wars, and neither had my kids, right? And uh, January, I convinced them to let's watch this, you know. Uh, we were going to Disney World, so I used that as an excuse. I'm like, you have to watch Star Wars. There's going to be stormtroopers, and you won't understand, right? We must watch this. It's homework before our big trip. Um, I'm thankful to say that my kids choose to watch Star Wars now in their free time. Like, Dad, can we watch Star Wars? I'm like, yes, you can. You can do that. It's, it's great. Um, one of my proudest moments as a dad was that my daughter loves Star Wars. My wife, she's like, I liked it more than I thought I would. I'm like... Still a work in progress, you know. Um, but uh, I thought of this scene. It's one of the, like, from my childhood, my sister and I would have Star Wars movie marathons in the summer. Like, we didn't have to get up and do anything, so we would just watch all the original Star Wars, you know, like the original ones. None of that Jar Jar Binks stuff. Like, the real ones, you know. And help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. It's funny because the truth is, Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't really make it too far in that movie. I'm sorry for those of you who didn't watch it yet. Like, he wasn't really her only hope, but she had a hope and a message to communicate because she was looking for life somewhere. Make sense? She was looking for something. Princess Leia, right? Uh, the truth is, if you know Star Wars, Luke Skywalker is kind of the real hope in the story. He's the one, the new hope, bringing, you know, the end of the alliance. It's, it's a lot. But anyway, we won't get into plot this morning. We don't have time for that. But I was thinking about this. I'm like, it's, we need, as humans, we need to have hope in our lives. Like, hope is an important part of our lives. I was just watching a show this last week on TV with my wife. Um, and I'm, once again, I'm not saying it's, I'm not endorsing it. I'm not saying go for the spiritual context. But I believe that everything that we do, all creative arts, humanity, even unbelievers, there's a part of us that cries out for the gospel, okay? And so when I watch something, I see and hear the gospel in it. So I was watching this show called Last Man on Earth, right? It's a comedy uh, once again, it's a few people on earth, and they find this guy on an island, right? And, they, and he's been there for five years, and he doesn't know that the rest of the world has been wiped out in the plague except for a few people, right? That's the premise. And they rescue him, and he's so excited. And when they're leaving, they want to leave this other woman on the island because she did a lot of bad things to them. Like she tried to kidnap somebody. She tried to steal their ship and desert them on the island. They're like, we're going to desert her on the island, right? 
And this guy who's just been rescued says, you can't leave her here because she'll die. And they're like, well, you made it for five years but by yourself. He's like, but I had hope. And somebody without hope can't live throughout the week. And I thought, how insightful is that to us and our need for the gospel, our need for Christ? He is our eternal hope. He is our true hope. And without true hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? We, we, we crumble without hope. Let me go. If you have a bad week, typically it's because you're not very hopeful, right? Now, let me ask you, how many of you guys have heard things like, don't get your hopes up too high, right? We don't want to get our hopes up. We, we don't want to be disappointed. And I would say the gospel is the opposite of that. The gospel is let's get your hopes really high because you have a good answer and you have a promise that completes the hope. Turn with me to John chapter 5, if you would. In this room, I mean, just we saw it this morning, even people needing prayer. You and I have a ton of areas in our lives that we need real hope for, right? That we need God to do something in. It could be healing. It could be an area of injustice. It could be an area of forgiveness, brokenness, relationship problems. It could be love. Like you just feel lack of love. You need hope for a love life or, or friends or community or something like that. It makes sense. And so you always are pursuing something out of hope. You have a desire for something and there's hope in there. And this morning we'll see how all of these areas of your life, all these areas of hope that you are pushing after are found here in, in John chapter five, starting in verse 18. Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath, and now the Pharisees are ticked, right? This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. I want to tell you a few things happening here. So we, we've kind of shifted from this in our culture and our society today, but... Um, so my last name is Miller, right? And a very common other name is, is Smith, right? Um, you think about last names, and last names typically represented either who your father was or what your line of work was, right? So Miller, we did Mills, whatever that, I, I, I'm so clueless what that actually means, but that's what the name is. Smith, you were a Smith, you blacksmith, something like that. The last names come from what your father did or what, your, what you did as an occupation, and even in our culture today, we see there's still sons who go after their father's business, right? So, like, 
companies, something and sons, you know. You see a lumber company or a, or a plumbing company. They just love to tag that and sons on there. Because there's fathers who do something, they find value in it, and then they desire to hand that business over to their kids when they're done, right? Make sense? Everybody tracking with me? That kind of dies off a little bit, but still, it's true. I mean, Martin, you're, you lay tile. Your dad laid tile. Like, it's, it's a craft that your family was involved in. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Here Jesus says to them, they're mad at him because he heals on the Sabbath, and he says, hey, my dad is God, just so you know, and I only do what he tells me to do. And guess what? He heals on the Sabbath. And if you don't honor me, you don't honor my dad. And guess what? My dad has all judgment, and he says, I don't judge anymore. I give that to the son. I'm retiring from the business of judgment and letting me, Jesus, do all the judgment. Make sense? That's what Jesus is telling this society. I've taken over my dad's business. So if you don't like me, you don't like dad. <laughs> and dad's God. <laughs> like, you should like God, so therefore you should like me. He's like, I've taken over the business of judgment. I've taken over all this. I only do what he does, and guess what? I've heard what he's going to do next, and it will marvel you, is what he says. That's, that's the whole greater works will marvel you. He's like, I'm hearing what he's saying, and it's going to blow your mind. Jesus says, I'm doing the Father's business. I'm in, the, I'm in the family occupation. I and the Father are one. I have taken his job, and I am now doing it on the earth. I'm marveling. I'm holding judgment. I'm practicing judgment. It's up to me now. Verse 24. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come in the judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. That's crazy, right? This is like around the Halloween time. This is, this is like real scripture. All who are in the graves, they're coming out of the graves. And will hear his voice. They'll come out. Those who have done good works to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. What the gospel is not saying, what Jesus is not saying here is that, hey, you're saved by your works. What he's saying is, hey, do you remember the prophecies of Daniel about this future raising of the dead to separate wickedness and evil? He's like, that's me. Like, I'm the one who brings life to the dead. I'm, if the hour is coming and it's now here, what I'm bringing resurrection and life, and I will take care of injustice. I will bring mercy. I will bring justice. And if you want to be on the side of mercy, if you want to be on the side of eternal good life, just believe that I am him. Just believe. Give me the honor that I'm due, and my judgment is, hey, you pass. You pass from death to life. You, you pass. That's my justice. Does that make sense? It's, Jesus is saying, hey, I, I've taken over the family business here, and I want you to be on the right side of this. And simply, the only way to be on the right side here is to honor me. Because if you dishonor me, you dishonor the Father, and then you receive the full judgment. Make sense? At City Lights, we believe that not only, not only is Christ our Redeemer, but that in him and only in him, we have the hope of eternal life. Eternal life is found only in him. 
John's whole gospel was written for one purpose. It was written because there was a lot of people beginning to say that Jesus was just a good teacher, just a healer, a miracle worker, but he was not God. He was not deity. And John's whole purpose is is to communicate to this culture, no, Jesus is God. And if you don't receive him as such, you don't receive God. You don't receive everything he's been pointing to. The very beginning says, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' judgment is to come for us and remove judgment from us. Make sense? That's good news. It's the good news of the gospel. The hour is, is here. This morning, I want to say a few things. So Jesus is coming and he's saying, hey, I've just, I've just healed. I've brought life right now. My job is to bring life today and eternal life. Okay? Not just is Jesus, like last week, the source of all you need today, but he's also the source of everything you need eternally. It's both here, present, and eternal life right now. He's the only source for it. He's the only way to get it. Some of you this morning, and I think this morning's worship, I mean, kind of preached this message for me. I don't really have to, but we're going to restate the fact. Some of you this morning need to get your hopes up. Some of you guys need to start believing God for bigger things than you've ever believed him before. Let me, let me restate that. All of us need to start believing God for bigger things than we've ever believed him for before. Let me, I'm getting out of my notes, and I'm going to be vulnerable. For me, God has been reaffirming in my heart that I have not begun to believe him for the miraculous nearly enough. And it's been happening in the last few weeks where God's been saying, no, I'm calling City Lights to be a church of the miraculous. That real healing will take place. Real signs and wonders are gonna be happening and currently are happening in this body and through me. Not not just through me, that, that sounds prideful, but through me. Like, make that your own reality as well. God wants to use you so that his kingdom is on full display. And God's been speaking that to me over and over, and even this morning was reaffirming the fact that God is the God of the miraculous. God wants to use us. We need to get our hopes up for awesome things. I believe that cancer will be whole here. I believe that broken families that are on the verge of divorce will be restored here. I believe that we will see blind eyes open and deaf ears opened. I believe that my daughter will heal out of, hear out of both ears. I believe that God is the God of miraculous and he wants to do that here, now. And when we don't see things now, we also recognize my hope is not built on this moment. My hope is here, that God moves here. And he's also the God of the eternal justice, the eternal goodness. So when I put my faith in him, he is the perfect image of the Father. He is the Father. He is all that the Father is. When I put my sights on him, I know that I have hope eternally and in the present. Make sense? The next few passages in verse 30, I'm just going to sum them up, verse 30 to 38. He, says, he basically says this. He says, hey, um, I now have the authority, um, and my authority is good. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm just. I'm really good. You can trust me with this. But then he says, you know, John the Baptist pointed to this. John the Baptist saw. And, and not only did John the Baptist, but also Moses 
who you guys love, was pointing toward me and testifying of me. But you missed it. You missed the point of Moses. He says, not only does John the Baptist, but the Father testifies of me. Like the Father himself has said, this is my son. He showed up. God, John the Baptist, Moses, these people are talking about me as having the authority, and you're still missing this. Make sense? Jesus is saying to them here in this section, hey, look, I have come to give you eternal hope. Do you see it? Do you recognize what's in me? Let's read John chapter 5, verse 44. How can you believe when you receive the glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? He's saying, you've set your hopes, all of your hopes have been on the wrong message of Moses. Moses wrote the law, right? He wrote Genesis. He wrote, he wrote Exodus, Leviticus. He wrote that portion of the Old Testament. And you've set your focus and your hope on fulfilling the law. And he's, Jesus says, all the while, the message of Moses was pointing that I am the fulfillment of the law. And your hope is not in your ability to fulfill it. Your hope is in my ability to fill it. That's where your hope should be. And he's telling them, the whole time you've been wandering around here, almost building up your own like pride and self-esteem by how much you can quote Moses to each other. That's what the passage was before this. It's like, you're setting your hope on the wrong thing. That'd be like, so let me explain that today. So that's like if me and Scott from the Grove, right? Pastors, you know, when we like to study theology. And what if we put all of our hope in the ability to out-theologize, if that's a word, each other. Like, hey, Scott, what about this verse? Ta-da! Got you. Look at me. That's what the culture's doing. Jesus says to them, you're walking around quoting Moses to each other, getting all your hopes up and, and your ability to quote him, but you've missed that it's been pointing to me. Just come and believe me. That's your source of hope. That's the only source of hope. We have to get our hope in Christ and fully in him. Let me say something else. I think a lot of times when we interact with people who are unbelievers or um, even in our own self, we constantly are putting Jesus on trial. Like, Jesus, you better prove it. Prove it to me. You need to prove that you're the son of God somehow. And this passage right here, Jesus says, I ain't on trial. You are. Either you believe or you don't believe. Like, either you pass from death to life by believing in me, or you don't. Like, that's the trial. It's not about me. I think we, we always love to do this. We just love to put Jesus to the test. And Jesus is like, I passed the test. I can't pass it anymore. I got the extra credit bonus points, right? Like, I got extra. You have to pass the test. And my test is simple. Believe or don't believe. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's our response to the gospel. It's not by works, it's but by faith. Faith and grace alone in Christ alone. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There is one salvation, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we will be saved. Acts tells us there is only in Christ that we have eternal salvation. Our present and our future hope are found only in the goodness and the judgment of Jesus. 
both goodness and judgment. That's my hope is in that. My hope is in his. Second Thessalonians. So let's talk. So if Christians have, there's only one place that we can find eternal life or eternal salvation is in Jesus and only in Jesus and simply by faith in him. What are we saved for? What are we saved to? And what if we don't believe are the, rea- the response to that, right? Um, now you guys are bracing yourself. Like, oh, here he goes. Fire, brimstone, hell, flames, death, destruction. It's coming. Um, yes, not quite. Let me explain. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Go ahead and pop that on the screen. Verse 6, or verse 8. I want to read this to you. I want you to see this. A lot of us think about heaven and hell, salvation as like, okay, so when we die, we get harps and clouds, or we get fire and pitchforks. Let me show you what you really get or don't get if you don't believe. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 8. They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because their testimony to you was believed. He says, this is the punishment. You want to know the punishment to unbelief? You are constantly separated from the presence of God and all that is his glory and all that is his power and all that is his goodness. That's the punishment. Hell, yes. And do I believe that there's fire and it's eternal? Yes. But the real punishment of hell is not fire and pitchforks. The real punishment of hell is that you don't receive any of his goodness. Eternally separated from the goodness of God. God is awesome. God is amazing. There's a guy named John Lynn. He wrote this. In hell, we are therefore cut off from God and from everything that God is. So in hell, there's not love. There's no friendship. There's no joy. There's no rest. Because those are all things that exist only where God is present. That's eternal separation. You and I have this choice every day. Where do we set our hope? Is it in Christ? And because I place my hope and my faith and my trust in him as the good and just judge who takes away my sins, I know that despite what happens here in Scranton, Pennsylvania, at my house, in this church, that I get eternity in his presence which is perfect peace, perfect health, perfect joy. His presence, that's where the fullness is. Make sense? The opposite of that, that's the worst kind of pain ever. The truth is everybody on earth right now experiences some of the goodness of God because of what's called his common grace to all men. God pours out common grace to everybody, believer or unbeliever. You experience good things in life because God's good. But when we choose to not believe him, that's when we are separated. The second Thessalonians tells us we are cut off from that, cut off from his goodness. This morning, what I want to communicate to you is that the gospel is not just a gospel that like, gets you to heaven and harps and clouds, but the gospel gives you the ability to differentiate between this idea of fate for your life or true hope founded in promises. It's not fate, but the Christian has hope founded in promises, right? All his promises are yes and amen. 
Let me, okay, so this week, yesterday, we had a friend uh, who was our former youth pastor here, Jimmy, was in town, right? And I love Jimmy. My girls love Jimmy. It was, Jimmy got to our house 10 o'clock on, on Friday night. We let our kids stay up. Faith fell asleep. She, she, she tried as hard as she could, but she couldn't. But Haley, 10 o'clock at night, here's Jimmy's car door, runs out the door, goes and gives him a hug as he's getting out of the car. Like, she just loves Jimmy, right? They love him. He lived with us for a little while. And uh, I say this because Jimmy was only here for like one night. And my girls last night were like devastated that he was leaving. What, you're leaving, Jimmy? I thought you were staying another day. And he's like, no, I have to go back to my church and, and help out there. And um, he came last spring. And when he was getting in his car, he was only here for like one day last spring. I think it was for Ben's birthday. Um, he came and... The girl's like, Jimmy, stay the night, stay the week. You can stay the whole week. He's like, no, I got to go back to work. But how about whenever you guys are out of school, I'll come and stay with you guys. And they're like, yeah, okay, that's a great plan. Well, they got out of school June 20th was their last day of school. I went up to Haley's bedroom. She, she has got a room on the third floor, and we go up there, and she got a calendar. And on the calendar, June 21st, it says, Jimmy is here for the week. Jimmy never said he's here for the week. He said, when you're out of school, I will come. And so last night, uh, Dave actually heard the girls harassing Jimmy. Like, you told us, Jimmy. Faith literally said, Jimmy, you lied to me. <laughs> she said, Jimmy, you told us you would be here for the week. And you're leaving again. My girls had hope in something, and Jimmy disappointed And I'm not just picking on Jimmy because the truth is we all disappoint, right? But when my hope is not in Jimmy or my wife or in you or in Will or in Ben, it's not in any of us here, it's not in my job, it's not in my health, it's not in my finances, it's none of those things, but my hope, my eternal hope is that one day Christ is coming back and because I've set my faith saying he is the son of God, he is He is God among us. All my help now is in him. All my future hope is in him. I know that my hope will happen, and one day I will rule and reign with him in his presence for all of eternity. So my current sufferings mean nothing. My current struggles don't really mount the jack because I have eternal hope in him, and that's the good news of the gospel. You and I this morning have not just hope for the present that we believe God is the God of the miraculous, doing stuff on our behalf for us and through us right now, but also even when we don't understand the injustices of the world, even when we don't understand why God hasn't given us that miracle that we believed him for, we know that one day we will stand whole and complete in perfect joy, perfect peace with him for all eternity. This life is but a vapor, Scripture says. The things you go through right now don't really matter because you'll forget about it, if not by the time you die, when you're in eternity with him. You won't remember your job. You won't remember your boss. You won't remember that coworker. You won't remember your mother-in-law. You won't remember... So you guys love your mother-in-law, so maybe you'll be with them dancing in the streets of gold, whatever that looks like. You won't remember your suffering... Peter, you know how Peter went out? Upside down on the cross. I ain't worthy to die the way Jesus died. Hang me upside down. Do you think Peter's like, oh, man, that was so excruciating. That was the worst day ever. 
Peter is stoked right now. He is interceding for us. He is with Jesus. He is with the Father. He is happy. And this is not like a fairy tale. This is the reality of the gospel. Jesus says that I have come to give you life, eternal life, and I'm giving it to you now. But I'm also going to fulfill it in the future. What I want you to know that if your hope is not fulfilled today, it will be fulfilled in the future. It will be completed. What he has started, he will complete. The process that he began in your heart, he will finish. Worship team, if you come forward. I want you to know this morning that all of his promises are true. God does not lie to us. And because if you are a believer, if you are in Christ and you've placed your faith, you've looked at the scripture, you looked at his works displayed on the earth and in your life and in your family, if you look at him and say, Jesus, I put my trust in you, he says, great, now my job as the judge, I say that you pass from death to life. You're in. And I'm giving you all my goodness. I give you all that I have. I can't get my hopes too high. I can't. I can't get false hope. You guys hear that phrase, false hope? We have, that's another story, I won't say that. I haven't dreamt big enough. You haven't dreamt big enough. And guess what? I definitely haven't dreamt big enough about my eternal life. How much of our focus and our attention is about what happens right now and today? Like, how much of your thoughts are about this week or this year, right? And so we put all of our anxiety and all of our hope in what happens in this next block of time. But how about sometimes we just, in that moment, we need to remind ourselves, this is nothing. That future is awesome. That reality is awesome. We in Christ are guaranteed eternal life in his presence and we will rule and reign with him when he returns and he makes all things right. This morning, I want to just say this. If you haven't placed faith in Christ, if you haven't believed him, today's a great opportunity for you to do that. doesn't mean that you won't ever doubt again. It doesn't mean you won't struggle with some things. It doesn't mean you have all the theological answers. I don't have all the theological answers, okay? I don't understand every word in here. Some, I had somebody ask me the other day, so because you're a pastor, do you know, like, the whole Bible? I'm like, well, yes and no. Like, I don't, it's not like I can quote this entire thing. It doesn't, I haven't reached some kind of, like, genius status. Where I'm like, oh, you know, what? I just don't. But I know what the message is, and I study it, and I get, dig in there, and I trust it. Make sense? Like, just because you place faith in God doesn't take you to some, like, level. I thought, I told this before, I, when I went to Bible college, I went in thinking, oh, man, by the end of this four years, I'm going to be like a theological superstar. I'm going to be the best pastor the world has ever seen. Like, Joel Olston's church will look like a little shack for my church, right? Like, I was thinking that. But that's not the reality. The reality is I'm constantly growing and, and just, I'm still digging in. I still got questions. There's a lot of things I can't explain, right? That's okay. But what you have you, the trial that you were on is when God shows up and does miracles and gives you grace and puts people in your life to love you, when you see common grace displayed through acts of kindness or small miracles, do you say, yeah, Jesus, I trust that your word is true, that the gospel you wrote is reality, or do I deny it? 
that's our part in this. And this this morning, if you've placed faith in Christ, get your hopes up. Believe every word he says for you and for your life now and in the future. If you haven't yet, I encourage you, today's the day to do it. It's not a prayer. Like uh, some people, like the Lord, like the sinner's prayer. That, the sinner's prayer is just something some dude made up like 100 years ago. Like, uh, this is what you need to say. The truth is, coming to faith is simply placing your faith in Christ. Whatever that looks like, out of your mouth, confessing that Jesus is your Lord, that he is all you need. If you haven't done that this morning, I'd love for you to grab me or do that privately with your family. Do it with me or one of the elders or one of the people who are up here praying. Just let them know that you made a faith confession. We want to celebrate that, knowing that you've passed from death to life. That's a good thing, right? That's a really good thing. We want to celebrate that. But if you've been wondering what God's doing right now and when's he going to make things right, When's he going to fix things? Believe that he is the God of the now as well as the future. That he is doing something. You just might not see all what he's doing right now. Get your hopes up this week. Does that make sense? I, I hope you understand my heart today. Let's stand. As Christians, we should be the most hopeful, optimistic people on the planet. I really do believe this. And if your week has been full of depression and anxiety and pessimism... I would say you haven't put your faith and your hopes in the right place. Let's stop putting our hope in Moses, our ability to keep the rules or to do the right things or to make all the right decisions. Let's start putting our faith in him, the perfecter of our faith, the fulfillment of the law, the only good and perfect just judge. Make sense? Let's worship for a few minutes this morning.